Hello and welcome to Podograph, the official Panograph podcast where we take you behind the stories in Bloomington Normal's number one news source with the reporters and editors who make them possible. I'm education and public safety reporter Kelsey Watsonauer, filling in as host while government reporter Derek B. takes a, takes a seat in the guest spot. Derek, I guess I can say thank you for joining me in the studio this week. I'm thrilled to be here in the guest chair. <laughs> so we're here today to take a look at renewable energy since you'll have a big feature in the Sunday's edition of the Panograph about these developments. So can you tell me why write a story about renewable energy now? Right. Well, as with a lot of things that we've talked about on the podcast, there is state legislation involved here. Uh, This is the Path to 100 Act, which is named for an effort to get the state to 100% of its energy from renewable sources. Uh, In the short term, what the group wants to do is restore renewable energy credits which basically are state incentives for developers that are putting together wind and solar projects that they, the folks in the renewable energy industry think are going to run out very quickly. Uh, there was a lottery uh, this spring where I think 18 uh, McLean County solar projects were in the running for credits, and only one of them actually got credits, which was not that uncommon uh, given what we saw across the state, something like 900 projects applied and only 100 got credits. Uh, So I wanted to look into what is the deal with the Path to 100 Act and uh, what is the latest with that uh, that new solar project, the one uh, that actually is progressing. That one that is progressing. um, What's the latest on that solar farm in McLean County? Right. Well, that's the Moraine Solar Project from Cypress Creek Renewables. Uh, That's going to be near Downs. And uh, they are on track now to have construction starting in 2020. Uh, They're in design and engineering now, and I got the chance to talk to Scott Novak, who is a project developer uh, at Cypress Creek, about where that stands and uh, also what's going on with the other four Cypress Creek projects uh, that didn't get incentives uh, the same way that there were something like a dozen others that didn't. Uh, And his response was basically, until there are more credits, it's not economically feasible for us to do them. Um, So basically, until the Path to 100 Act passes or something like it, um, that one solar farm is all that McLean County is going to have, although obviously that's in addition to a lot of rooftop solar at uh, businesses and homes. What have these developers said about um, why they want to push for these renewable energy sources? Now, so in a, in a broad sense, I think the developers and the Ecology Action Center, all the experts would tell you the same things, which are uh, we need renewable energy to become less reliant on fossil fuels. Uh, This is a great place for wind development because there is just flat prairie everywhere across central Illinois, and there's transmission capacity, and there's a need for jobs. Um, I was out at uh, the Twin Grows Wind Farm on Wednesday um, as U.S. Rep. Darren LaHood uh, was having a a media event uh, about his new renewable energy bill, and in addition to the wind developers and uh, the Chamber of Commerce and a representative of the county board, Uh, there was a significant contingent of local laborers out there uh, because there are a ton of jobs associated with with these wind farms, um, both in the short term from construction and long term from operations. So why would you say it's important for developers that these renewable renewable energy credits be consistent? Right. Well, that was another point that Scott made when I was talking to him, is that they would like for the credits to be sustainable in the sense that there wouldn't be a big pool applying all at the same time uh, like there was uh, leading into 2019 
and that they would be able to have them year over year. So basically, what they're looking for is something other than a lottery uh, so that they can go to lenders and say, this market is here. It's going to continue to be here. You don't need to worry about whether a product is actually going to go forward. You can invest in it and you can know that we're going to be able to give you a return. So wind farms have been talked about in this area for a while. So what's the latest with the two county wind farms that were approved last spring? Right. Well, that was something that I wrote about last month and wanted to kind of refresh in this story. Uh, we had two wind farms in the northern part of the county that were approved last year. That's the McLean County Wind Energy Center from Invenergy and the Brightstock Wind Farm from EDP Renewables. And I got the chance to talk to the developers there uh, about how construction is ramping up. Uh, EDP, it seems like, is a little bit ahead, uh, but they're both on a pace to be up and running in 2020, uh, which is uh, going to bring the total of wind farms in the county up to four. Uh, Invenergy also built the White Oak Wind Farm out near Carlock and then later sold it. And uh, EDP actually still owns and operates the Twin Groves Wind Farm uh, out near Ellsworth. How does wind energy play into uh, this Path to 100 bill? When I talked to Peter Gray, who's a spokesperson for the Path to 100 Coalition, uh, he said that because the Illinois Power Agency is required to fund both solar credits and wind credits equally, um, there is going to be significant movement in wind if that Path to 100 passes, although the lottery that we had was specifically for solar uh, in 2019. So LaHood's new bill, uh, the Renewable Energy Transferability Act. Can you tell me uh, what exactly that is? Right. So um, the short answer is no, not really. Um, it's, a, it's a little more technical than I think I, I can really get into because it deals with, uh, with tax equity and that kind of thing. Uh, but basically the way I understand it is the wind credits uh, that are available to developers uh, federally um, are somewhat limited in who can use them. Um, and this will remove some of that regulatory structure to make them more flexible, which will make them more valuable in the marketplace, and thereby it'll make them more likely to contribute to projects that will actually be built. Uh, that's something that LaHood put together uh, with another Ways and Means Committee member in the House, a Democrat out of Oregon named, named Earl Blumenauer. And uh, he didn't really seem to think there was going to be a lot of resistance to it. It was just a matter of getting that uh, regulation pulled back that maybe was an unintended consequence of the way the bill was written uh, when those credits were originally passed. And, uh, of course, they're going to be phased out going into 2021. So there hasn't been any opposition to these bills, so is, is it um, pretty widely in favor nationally going forward that we're going to focus more on renewable energy? Uh, that seems to be the case. Um, I haven't gotten the chance to check into uh, whether Representative LaHood was being fully honest about the uh, chances of this bill, although it feels like in a Democratic House, he probably would not introduce it if it were not going to have bipartisan support. Uh, the Path to 100 Coalition is pretty confident about their chances in the state of Illinois, uh, which really doesn't surprise me that much given the Democratic supermajorities in both houses and also the Democratic governor. Uh, the bigger issue with that bill was just finding time for it, because there's so much stuff that's going on in the legislature. Uh, even now, Friday afternoon, as we're recording this, uh, they've just extended Saturday and Sunday sessions, and there's a whole bunch of things that are maybe or maybe not going to make it through, um, in addition to a budget, which, you know, God willing, will actually happen. So what would you say is next for wind development locally? 
Right. Well, there are those uh, two wind farms uh, in the northern part of the county that are going to be under construction pretty soon. Uh, I believe EDP is already doing sort of road construction that'll help them uh, get turbines and other equipment uh, into the rural parts of the county where they're building. And uh, I got the chance to talk to Tradewind Energy, uh, which has not really been active here in McLean County, uh, but they were working on this Alta Farms project over in uh, DeWitt County that ended up being really controversial. Um, there were some concerns there about whether they were going to interfere with the National Weather Service in Lincoln, which, God forbid, that's one of my favorite Twitter follows. But I think they are still confident they're going to be able to come back with another proposal. Uh, the last one was only voted down 6-5, to five, so it seems like they, they have a chance of eventually getting something through. Uh, and then when I got the chance to speak to Invenergy about their plans, uh, they said they've got a bunch of things planned for the state of Illinois for the next two to three years, uh, but they don't necessarily know that any of it is local other than a solar project that's going to be somewhere in the area. So that's something I'll, I'll be looking out for. So as far as the small-scale solar developments, um, is there anything you know about on the horizon? Right. Well, this is my, my chance to plug the, the Group I program, which is now back for its third year. Uh, Ecology Action Center, the Midwest Renewable Energy Association, and uh, some other partners have done twice now uh, Group I programs where basically businesses and households that are interested in having a solar array get together and they all buy arrays. And because it's in bulk, it's a lower price for everyone. Um, they're calling it now Grow Solar Blooming to Normal, which probably is a better name than just solar blooming to normal which is what it was before um and that is gonna have solar power hour events uh leading into september uh where basically they you know show people a powerpoint presentation and say these are the economic benefits of doing solar some of the environmental benefits and then they have the opportunity to get more information and maybe sign up through september 30th to actually be a part of that grow solar is all about rooftop systems um they can be either households or bigger businesses, like uh, the Foundry here in Bloomington put together a system, I think in 2018, that might have been 2016. Um, and there have generally been about 30 takers on that. Uh, each time they've done a group, I like this. And a few of them have been businesses, but a lot of them have been households. Is, well, is there anything else you'd like people to know about this renewable energy story? Right. Well, um, first of all, it's going to be online Sunday uh, at Panagraph.com and in the Sunday Panagraph. Um, as a side note, we actually did an episode last week about boating safety right before Memorial Day, which hopefully uh, folks listened to before they got out on the water. Um, but the attached story ran only online on Monday and still has not published in print. So if you are looking in your Sunday Panagraph for that and you think, didn't I already hear about this? Yeah, you did. But it is a good episode and I would encourage people to to check that out as well. As far as solar and wind energy, I think everybody I talked to, even in spite of the Path to 100 uh, Coalition's concerns about the future of these state credits, um, LaHood's concerns about the federal credits being usable going forward, was really optimistic about where renewable energy is going. Um, something I didn't get into in the story at all is the Clinton nuclear plant is also a big player in our local energy ecosystem. And that's something I'd like to look into a little more in the future if I uh, continue to report on energy, and uh, hopefully we'll find out a little more soon about uh, if the legislature is going to act on a Path to 100 proposal. What are some of the things that will likely come out of the legislative session that you're looking forward to hearing about? 
Well, boy, there's uh, <laughs> there's a whole variety of things. Um, when I was covering the Pritzker campaign, uh, he talked about, I don't know, a half a dozen sort of key proposals uh, that I think are, he's trying to push all of them through at once, which is sort of sort of crazy, but it also feels like, you know, this is the part of his administration where he's the most likely to have the most support. Um, we saw the graduated tax um, go through in the sense that it's going to be on the ballot in 2020, so that'll be really interesting. Uh, I believe the recreational marijuana proposal has now gone through to the governor for his signature, which is something we've been really invested in because of uh, Senator Barrickman, who's uh, the only Republican who really was steadfast in support of that leading up to it, although I think a couple of other Republican senators ultimately backed it. Uh, the budget will be big. That's always a, a big item of interest for our municipal governments uh, because they want to know whether they're going to be, for example, paying a percentage on their sales tax collections uh, to the state. They were really not happy about that. Um, other things of note in the legislature, um, we're still expecting to hear more about a uh, capital bill at some point, which is something that we heard a lot about from our local legislators uh, back in December leading into the session. They said they were optimistic that there would be some kind of bill uh, to help roads, um, other infrastructure like that, not just transportation infrastructure, but maybe vertical infrastructure as well. And we might see an increase in the gas tax there, which would be something people would be really concerned about. Uh, I'd also look forward to hearing something about uh, gambling or sports betting, uh, since that is now legal on the federal level for states to start putting together their own policies. Uh, Illinois could be one of the first to do that, I think one of the first maybe dozen or so. Um, and we actually found out this week that uh, Senator Bill Brady uh, is involved in the uh, video gambling industry uh, a little bit. He has some connections there that we were not aware of, so uh, credit to ProPublica for that story, which I would really uh, encourage people to look up as well. Thank you for listening to another episode of Podograph, the official Panagraph podcast, where we take you behind the stories of the Panagraph newspaper and at Panagraph.com. You can find this podcast at Panagraph.com, as well as all the stories that are featured on it. You can also find the show on iTunes and Google Play. If you like the show, please let us know with a review and subscribe as well. You can find the Panagraph on Twitter at Panagraph and at Facebook.com slash Panagraph. Please join us again next week.